Inside Parliament, our weekly catch-up about the political stories that we've been covering here at One News. And we're coming to you from the legendary Beehive Studios. And with me is not Katie Bradford, because she's away today. I have Tracy Watkins, the hello. awesome hello, the <laughs> awesome political editor of Stuff. Um, so Tracy works with us in the gallery. She also writes a must-read political column um, for uh, on Saturday. So um, she's here to share her thoughts with us on the week's oh, events. Um, yeah. What a week it's yeah. been. I know, it's been crazy. I must say, this is the first time I've been in the studio in something like 20 years. But yeah, it's been a crazy week. But they're all crazy at the moment. It is true, that is true. Should we take a look at yeah. uh, Katie's track from this week um, on Labour's oh, yeah. terrible, terrible week? Yeah. This is new Labour MP Liz Craig socialising with young Labour members on the night in question. She's been open about that. She had an early flight the next day, so was in bed at the time that this all occurred. But the Prime Minister insists Ms Craig wasn't there when alleged sexual harassment occurred. This event was not undertaken in a safe and responsible way. The Labour Party has to take responsibility for that. Party bosses today fronting up. Mistakes have been made, we're owning that. Two days after the allegations about the behaviour of a 20-year-old at the Waihe camp in February emerged. We have failed in our duty of care in terms of support that we've offered since then. We are very, very distressed about this uh, and we want to uh, apologise deeply to the four young people who have been so grievously treated. The camp was run by young Labour and bosses admit that was a mistake. It's not appropriate uh, that that burden of care and responsibility was left to a group of predominantly young people. An independent review has now been ordered into the party. Meanwhile, young Labour events are suspended until it's completed, alcohol banned at all events where under-18s are present and the party itself will now run all summer camps. One News has been contacted by parents of some of the young people at the camp concerned about their privacy, but images of the camp participants were this afternoon still visible on the Prime Minister's social media accounts. I'll take them down immediately. The police are investigating and are encouraging anyone with more information to come forward. Nigel Haworth says he isn't resigning, neither is General Secretary Andrew Curtin. He recognises that uh, on one or two of these issues he wasn't as quick off the mark as he should have been. But he's a first-class general secretary. But it's first-class behaviour the party wants to deliver from now on. All right, so obviously, I mean, a, a bit of a hellish week for Labour. Obviously, we should yeah. say a hellish week for, for the, the survivors of this in yeah. question. But, I mean, politically, what do you think of that handling? Well, I mean, the thing, and this is what it's about. It's about how they handle it. There's always going to be these sorts of things erupt when you're in government and it's not the fact that they happen, it's how you manage them. Mm. Um, and and I have to say that um, the initial handing was just terrible. I mean, I don't think they, they didn't manage to tick any boxes, did not they? At all, no. um, and, you know, keeping it quiet for so long, not telling Jacinda Ardern, they had been given a heads up that this story was going to be published an hour before her postcard presser mm-hmm. on Monday when she was completely blindsided by this news. Um, newsroom had gone to um, a couple of the senior people in her office and they thought... About well, one o'clock, I was About told. one o'clock, yeah. yeah. And, they, and, they, and she, they could at least have given her a very high-level heads up, this is going to happen. Um, in terms of the fact that, you know, 
um, Curtin, Neil Curtin, the general secretary, and the party president didn't tell Ardern. Um, that's pretty bad. But actually, the really bad side of it is how much they let the victims down. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, because we talk about the political handling because yeah. that's our job. That's what what we're we are focused on, I guess, as political reporters. But the human side of things. I mean, yeah. the idea that this happened, and and I mean, I suppose. It, we should look at it like labor and camps for young people and political parties and no organization is immune from this no. um and it's not the organization's fault that this happened obviously this is a, a dreadful thing to have happened but it's the support that they put in place yeah. for those young people afterwards and and i i, I mean i asked Andrew Curtin about this about you know was an email sufficient and I suppose they thought that was the original way that they were contacting they didn't want to be bombarding them yeah. with phone calls but I I mean I for me I mean I know that the, the the survivors in question said that they didn't want the police involved but I would have thought that the first thing that um the Labour Party should have done is at least seek advice from they the should police. have sought advice it was at, yeah that's right they could have gone to the police and said at this stage no one is talking about laying a complaint but what should we do you know um and that at the very least, would have given them some indication of what steps to take. But basically, they didn't really seek any advice, professional advice, until some weeks down the track. Mm. Um, and you know, I think one of the controversial things, and I know that this is this is something that is disputed, is the idea around whether or not the parents should yeah. have been told mm. as well. Mm. Um, it's a difficult one because a lot of these sort of sexual abuse counselling agencies say no. That's a tricky. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. in the people that we've talked to this week, we've had conflicting advice yeah. on that. So, but the point is. You're not an expert. I'm not an expert. No. Labour aren't an expert. They should have had experts in there from day one. Yeah, they should have done. And actually, I think that issue of the parents not being told, that comes back to it being a political problem because mm. it doesn't matter what the expert advice says. I think most parents would look at this and say, I would want to know if it was my 16-year-old. Mm. And as far as they're not, you know, no one wanting to pursue a police complaint, we now do have a police complaint. Yep. So at the end of the day, they didn't really give people enough support to look at that option. They didn't, absolutely. Think. And I think, I mean, ultimately, they wanted to, they say that they had, whether you, I mean, lo there's lots of per per lingering perception that this was a hush-up and a cover-up. Yeah. I suppose we should say that lab from Labour's point of view, that they, they tried, they had it with the best intentions of, they, I mean, they talk about victim-led. Yeah. But the point is, is that they handled this so badly that ultimately it's made it 10 it's times worse. It's a bigger story now than it would have been at the time. Yeah. And because it's come down to an issue of political management Absolutely. and political competency. Um, I think since um, Jacinda Ardern did get involved, that Labour has managed to um, get back on top of managing this appropriately. Mm. She has sort of taken charge and put steps in place and I think that's what had to happen. Mm. I think has she salvaged the situation to a certain extent. Mm. Um but but there's still, you know, it's it's a terribly bad look for them that they've they've let people down so it's badly. It's appalling and it's it's like as I say it's not the it's I mean the fact that this happened is awful. It's appalling for those young people. It, it it's not the fact that it happened at a labour camp, although the questions around alcohol and the mixing of ages and stuff are still, I guess, they'll hopefully answer yeah. that in the review. But what what do you think about? I, I've I've read some opinion and, and whatnot this week about Jacinda Ardern's handling of it. I mean, for me, the, the thing that lingers is just being in that press conference. And you know how many times we do we? And there's some moments in that Beehive yeah. Theatre, which I should say is, is right next door to yeah. us here. Yeah. Um, some moments will stick in your mind forever. And I have to say that moment when the newsroom reporter uh, yeah. 
asked the question and and no one everyone was sort of like what is he talking about yeah. and it was hang on a minute four people were assaulted at a labor yeah. camp and the prime minister doesn't know about know. this that will stay with me forever yeah um, and I, and i think no matter what jacinda ardern does in to um salvage that and to put yeah. the right processes in place i think that will always remain as this disconnect between party and, and yeah and, absolutely um, and, and yeah the and the fact that so many of them knew about it for so long and didn't tell it now there's always an argument that maybe they were looking at plausible deniability that it was better for her not to know no surprises think, though yeah no surprises <laughs> at the end of the day exist for a reason and yeah. it's to avoid exactly that sort of scenario yeah so one, one thing that's kind of been touched on a little bit in the media is is um are these kind of youth camps and the amount of alcohol and, and the goings on there and, and we've learned obviously this week that this wasn't an isolated yeah. incident that There's it may have happened before yeah. um were you surprised? I, I, I mean, young people get together, they have a drink, and God yeah. knows, lots of people wouldn't attend these things if there wasn't I know, well, alcohol. Actually, I was, yeah, I know, and I was actually surprised because my idea of spending a weekend in a political party <sighs> weekend camp is, I, I can't imagine. And we get paid for fun. it. Yeah, I know, that's right. So I was actually surprised they had any fun whatsoever, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, um, yeah, should they be having alcohol at these events? I would think not. Not if there's you know, 15 and 16 year Not olds. when there's young people there. No. I mean, we all know how easy it is for these events to get out of hand with young people but the point of it is that you as a parent you would be assuming that there are quite responsible adults mm. around and there were well there were but they did nothing they went to bed yeah they went <laughs> to bed so you know yeah, yeah. yeah so I mean long term I mean I guess if you if you look at the handling of the labor intern scandal from last from before the election yeah. campaign last year that which was, was yeah, textbook disaster. handling yeah it was yeah. a disaster but they handled yeah. it really well yeah. and it, after a few days it went away yeah this I don't think can be cleaned up quite so easily no well we've already seen as you you've mentioned other incidents being brought forward and that's a direct consequence of the amount of publicity this is getting mm. because they handled it so badly it stayed in the headlines for days and mm. I think this is just you know this is the problem um yesterday when um the party president Nigel Harworth and Jacinda Ardern did a, um, a press conference, the president was um, yeah, started off right and then got extremely tetchy very quickly about whether or not heads would roll. But it's a legitimate question mm -hmm. given the you know seriousness of this failure. Well, turn the table, turn the tables, and imagine imagine we were a year ago and it was national and it was yeah. a national camp and national government ministers yeah. were told about it and, and MPs had been present. I think that the Labour, Labour Party would have gone we, they would have been asking yeah. for heads to roll. They and, would have done. Um, yeah, it is a legitimate question. Yeah. You know, I think ultimately it wasn't the party's fault that it happened, but. Yeah. It is their handling. It has and impacted, made things much worse for the victims. And and I guess in this situation, like with the Human Rights Commission, Sunday Star Times had yeah. that incredible story yeah. um, a few weeks ago about an organisation where you, the least organisation you would expect this kind of thing to happen. No organisation is immune. And I think um, to do our best by survivors, victims, we we have to show that, that there is culpability and responsibility yeah. and organisations need to step up and take yeah. responsibility, I, and you I know, think. And, and I suspect there was a little bit of the next day not realizing the seriousness of it because if you look at Andrew Curtin's comments he said oh well the you know the the, the perpetrator if you like you know there's no crime yet but um he felt very embarrassed the next day about what had happened I and thought that was an astonishing comment yeah and that's almost one of those sort of mitigating comments of though well he got drunk and you know um and he felt terrible about it the next day yeah now um in the current environment most people would look at that statement and say hang on I think you know this 
everything stems from that, mm. I think. Um, and Don Brash as well, his comments that, well, it wasn't rape and we were making too much of a fuss about it. Yeah. I just... Uh, yeah, okay. Well, maybe John will just stick their hands down his pants and see what he thinks. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but... <laughs> I'm not volunteering for that. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, yeah, and... Um, we should yeah. swiftly get away Yeah, from. I could just move on from that yeah, one. Yeah. But, 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 yeah. I guess... Um, I guess it, it was right, it wasn't, but it is still serious. It's you know, very it's sexual, And it's 16, 17, 18-year-olds. Yeah, I mean, people. very vulnerable um, people at a crucial time in their lives and when yeah. they're away from their parents. So, But I suppose it's the wider question as well, isn't it? And I, I maybe should take the opportunity to ask you about Stuff's Me Too. I mean, not yeah. a bit of cross-promotion here, I guess. But yeah. but you guys have had a lot of stick for an investigation and you really took with this Me Too yeah. um, idea and ran with it. So yeah. do you want to maybe talk a little bit yeah, about that? Yeah, I think it's, it's sort of interesting, you know, some of the, the pushback against that. At the end, you know, but I actually looked at the um, reaction um, when that was first announced on Alison Mao's um, Twitter feed and some of the, just the Twitter response from women saying, this is what happened to me, showed that there is a genuine need for it. And then if you look at the Russell McVeigh um, headlines mm. around the situation there, um, you know, this is, this is yes, okay, so it's part of a worldwide movement mm. and this has happened, um, I think if you look in Australia, there's been a similar investigation and that's uncovered some very significant and important stories. Absolutely. Um, so I don't think that you can minimise um, the impact of this investigation. I think it's, it's you know... Well, it's... So, Russell McRae and the, this, this incident at the Labour camp yeah. is journalism. It's, I mean, the organisations in... In question, the law firm yeah. and labour, and to yeah. some extent the police and the justice yeah. system, have failed these survivors. Exactly, and they've only come to light because of journalism. So yeah. for me, that that in that makes it worthwhile. Yeah. it's a bit of a rev- of a reverse way of doing things, and that you you're asking for the stories rather than the stories yeah. coming first, but. But so at the what, end of the day, we always ask, but we always have news tip hotlines and everything. We always ask people to come to us for our stories. And I think, yeah, as you say, journalism is about shining a light on things. Um, and and as you, and yes, this um, Labour Party camp did not come out into the public arena until um, it had been exposed by Newsroom, mm. who did a great job with it. And Russell McVeigh, they did And that. Russell McVeigh yeah. as well. And, and, and nothing would have happened otherwise. There would Absolutely. have been no action taken otherwise. No, we wouldn't, wouldn't have known about it. We wouldn't have known about it and um, Labour would have had another camp. We potentially, some of the same issues might have arisen just simply because of that whole issue around what looks like came down to a lack of supervision. Absolutely. And it did take them, um, I mean, on Tuesday I was asking Andrew Curtin the questions about will you put all these events on hold and are you going to ban alcohol? Yeah. Maybe that might be part of the review. And actually it wasn't until Wednesday when they said we're going to put these events on hold. Yeah. So a bit slow to respond. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. lots to talk about, but I suppose yeah. we should move on to something new, which um, I was really lucky yesterday to leave yeah, Wellington and I go to the that. Chatham Islands. Yeah. yeah it was a, I got a little adventure on the Hercules yeah. plane. Seven government ministers, which, you know, seemed like a lot, but they also took... Um, Peter Dunn, Chris Finlayson and Paula yeah. Bennett because the national government were involved in this as well. So we went to the opening of the Chatham Islands Wharf, which is a massive yeah. boost to the economy there. But well, let's have a look at the track and we can... Yeah, OK. Opening a gateway to the Chatham Islands, a replacement wharf islanders have waited years for. The future looks good with the resources and opportunities at our door. But building a small port 800 kilometres from mainland New Zealand is tricky. I'd probably actually say if I was a betting man, I'd say it's uh, probably the hardest thing I've ever done. 
project managers had to ship equipment like this crane and find accommodation for 40 workers and develop a quarry site for the rocks to build this breakwater. There is nothing here in the Cheddar Mine, there's nothing for the scale we required, so we had to go and find and identify a, a, a quarry site suitable. It's the biggest holes we've been dug on the Cheddar Mines. Um, develop a quarry, then develop a construction yard to make the concrete, to make the armour units that then come down here and build the wharf. So we were here eight months before we actually did anything down here. This wharf is vital to the island's fishing and farming economies, but it's also necessary to ship in all their everyday essentials like food and fuel, as well as the little luxuries for the locals. A delegation of politicians, including seven government ministers, visited the island today for the opening ceremony. But they also received a wish list from locals. Of course, now that we have a wharf, it would be great to have a good boat that can service that wharf. That also includes a cell phone network and a longer runway. Can I just say to you all, if you've got the crayfish, we're listening. <laughs> a promise hitting all the right notes with these island locals. So the Chatham Islands, um, really lucky, and it's a place that not many people get to go. Um, it's a really cool little community, and this was a real community um, effort. I guess not very often do you get to do stories where it's positive, you know, yeah. and people, but no one was complaining. Everyone was really happy that this was, it's taken them a long time, and it is going to be really meaningful to the yeah. community. There's a lot more that they need to get done, but it was, yeah, it was, it was a really fun day out. Um, so, I mean, I guess... It was interesting to see uh, the, there was a delegation of government ministers there. Yeah. There were seven, um, but then they did invite other um, other ministers. It was quite interesting to see afterwards Tracy Martin um, making a political point on Twitter. That I don't know if you saw this. No, last I night. didn't actually know. But she she tweeted last night um, that that this government wasn't going to turn its back on the regions or forget about the regions, right. which I thought was a little bit crass, yeah. given that um, this was obviously a bipartisan thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, I, I mean, I suppose it shines a light on, on how important these regional economies are to New well, Zealand. Well, yeah, and and um, that's New Zealand first stick, isn't it? We've got Shane Jones up um, there um, you know, today um, announcing more money and sort of like for forestry in, in one of the regional New Zealand. And that's yeah. where I should say that's where Katie is today. She's in yeah. Minganui uh, yeah. covering that story for Minganui, us. Minganui, that's it. Yeah. I don't even know. Northland, is that right? Uh, Shane's electorate? I, I don't even know where it is. No, we're, yeah. we're having a issue. I didn't even know Minganui was a place. No, I, but apparently yeah. it's a small township of 300 people. And right. this, this announcement's going to mean a lot to them. But we, um, yeah, Katie's, yeah. Katie's going to be the expert. She'll bring us uh, that yeah, later. Yeah, she'll have the whole, whole rundown on that. <laughs> um, yeah, I was interested because I saw that they were in the Herc, in the Hercules. And mm. I thought, damn, if I'd known that, I would have gone myself because, you know, and I assume that's why so many ministers went. Plus, it's probably a really nice day to go to. It was a, it was a great Yeah, it was a great day. 50. Um, 50 people on that plane. Yeah. Um, and there was, yeah, there was an enormous delegation. I I have to say, I, I wasn't quite sure. I'm sure that they were all useful in their own way, but seven seemed like an awful lot. I Plus see, all yeah. the advisors. There yeah. was a lot of people there who were involved in the, pro the project. Was, it was an NZ, NZ, NZTA project, but it was an yeah. alliance of different companies. And it was actually a really interesting model. Yeah. Um, and it was delivered on time and on budget. Re actually right. really quickly for such a challenging, um, yeah. a challenging project. But they, um, there was a lot of them on the plane as well. But yeah. 
yeah, it was it was a nice day out. Yeah, it looked like a nice day out. It looked like the sun was shining. I actually crayfish. looked it up. It's, yeah, crayfish. I wondered if that was part of it too. Yes. The Hercules and the crayfish. Yeah. I thought <laughs> you got a winner there, Chatham. They've only, there's only six hundred people on the Chatham Islands. Yeah, I know. So it's it tiny. T- clearly wasn't a vote winning exercise because <laughs> no, <laughs> no one's gonna. You know, that's not going to change the course of the election with six hundred voters. But, no, um, but it is yeah. important to the fishing economy. Uh, yeah, and the fishing industry and so much crayfish comes from that area. So I guess um it's it's maybe a, it's it's definitely a boost to the economy there, which yeah. a boost to New Zealand's regional economy. Um, but I guess it was good to have all the government ministers there because they then got to hear the other things that the Chatham yeah. Islands need, and it does tend to get forgotten. Um, but it does need a new runway. Every other runway in New Zealand has been upgraded. It's the Chatham Islands' turn. In many ways, the runway is an essential lifeline to a community like that. You know, there are two hours. There's yeah. two police officers on the island. They're two hours from nearest backup. You know, things like that. Because the Air Chathams goes in there, doesn't it? So, but yeah, and yeah. and Air Chatham Air Chathams has these tiny little planes, which actually will they want to replace the fleet by 2020 because they're they're getting old, and but they can't do that because they need a longer runway. Right. So, okay. and and it's a, it's a real lifeline to the community. Um, and the Air Chathams has stepped up into regional airports where Air New Zealand has left, yeah. which is you know, it's interesting. And they also don't have cell phone network there, which was actually, I have to say, it was bliss. Yeah. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> no demands from, no, from yeah. back, at, back at work sort of saying, no. oh, you're going to file something live on this? It and was yeah. great. It was fantastic. Yeah. So um, you, to make a phone call, you had to go to the local council oh, office wow. and ask yeah. the lady in the local council office mm. if she will let you use the phone. So, um, But they do need a cell phone network. If they want to be a functioning yeah. 21st century economy, they do need a, a cell phone yeah. network. But it's it's great for tourism and it was just a, it was a, lo- yeah. a lovely day out. So. But it does, it does sort of like highlight that whole regional, um, you were talking about Tracy Martin's comments and New Zealand First is, is very focused on just spreading the cash around in those regions, isn't it? I, I think it's going to be a problem for them, a bit of a problem for them down the track mm. um, because they're going to have a lot of projects um, being launched with, I think, quite a bit of political risk around mm-hmm. some of them. Yeah, absolutely. I was just thinking that. Yeah. And we saw that example with the West Coast one where yeah. um, a bit of a backfire for Simon Bridges in the house where yeah. they'd yeah. put money in and it turned out everything wasn't as it seemed. Um, yeah. But overseeing all these, it's a bit like the Fanawara issue as well. It's like, How yeah. do you keep track and, and keep track of their value and the outcomes and who's yeah. getting this money? And Yeah, and and actually showing that there's some worth and, you know, the jobs that they promise to be creating, are they actually creating them? And then, for instance, you saw in the Hawke's Bay, you know, a story just in the last 24 hours about not having enough people to work in Hawke's Bay and the government's to talking pick the about... Apples. Yeah, to pick yeah. the apples. And the government's talking about um, diverting... Um, refugee um, numbers to Hawke's Bay. Mm. So, you know, it's it, yeah, there's there's a lot of issues there, I think. It's going to be very interesting to see how that rolls out. Absolutely. And it, I guess it's another example. I do keep coming back to these thoughts, but it is another example of how it's easy to say these things in opposition and be yeah. critical in opposition. But actually when the rubber hits the road and you're responsible, yeah. it's not actually, the matters aren't as black and white and as simple as that. No, they're not. And I think that's one of the issues too is that, um, you know, you've got an opposition that are only recently out of government, they're not a demoralised opposition like you normally see. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have probably more contacts and more idea of, of, of how to work the system than the ministers that are in place at the moment because Definitely. they've had nine years of sort of they know who the officials are, they know where all the, you know, where all the... Where the bodies are buried. The bodies are buried <laughs> and 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 how to sort of use the system to yeah. to um, find out what's going on. So I think Labor's going to have to be, to get up to speed really fast on putting in place systems that can, um, that are robust enough and, and, you know, able to sort of... Otherwise, I think there's going to be a lot of... Um, 
points scoring in the house and particularly against Shane Jones. Absolutely. And yeah. and then New Zealand first are the easy target. I mean, the yeah. national are always trying to drive a wedge in there, so it's going to be it's going to be fascinating. So yeah. we we talk about not a demoralized opposition which neatly brings yeah. us to our next topic which is <laughs> national. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like you've done this before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so the uh, national had its uh, reshuffle. Um, on finally on Sunday. I mean, we heard a lot about it last week and it's, it seems to have been the longest reshuffle in the history of yeah. reshuffles. But let's take a look at Katie's track um, uh, to see what happened on Sunday. The new face of National making some big changes to his team. It's designed with 2020 firmly in our sights. Judith Collins is the big winner. She takes on housing and urban development. Todd McClay adds foreign affairs and tourism to his trade portfolio. Jamie Lee Ross was senior whip, now takes on infrastructure and transport. And leadership rival Mark Mitchell adds justice to defence and disarmament. Newcomers like Jamie Lee Ross, who is a young man ready to make his mark. But some familiar faces move down the rankings. They include former Speaker David Carter, Jerry Brownlee, Nick Smith and Maggie Barry. Mr Bridges denies he's sending a message that it's time for some of the veteran MPs to go. I don't think it's any reflection on them. What is true is I have 56 talented MPs. They're ambitious and by definition in the top 25 that means there are people who won't be there. Regional development and justice are key areas national plans to target and housing where Mr Bridges says Labour won't be able to live up to its promises. Phil Twyford is on notice. <laughs> Judith is coming. The housing minister was quick to respond, tweeting that Ms Collins should have spent more time getting people into homes while in government. All 56 MPs have been given portfolios, even Nicola Willis, who is yet to be formally sworn in. Make no mistake, this is a big reshuffle. Simon Bridges has gone out of his way to give his leadership rivals top spots and big portfolios. New face Sarah Dowie is one of eight women now in National's top 20. I think Simon and having uh, Amy, Judith and I standing around him uh, is, pretty, is pretty powerful, I've got to say. That's a lot of experience uh, and um, a lot of intellect, quite frankly, that is there and those are strong women. Let's just say Not they him. are formidable. <laughs> Simon Bridges and Paula Bennett in step and confident they've got the right team. So just before we start on talking about Nationals Reshuffle, we should point out that we've had some help um, from our expert producers, and I can show you where Minganui, in fact, is. Yeah. So it's it's not in Northland, as no, we thought. No, I was totally wrong. It's, yeah. it's sort of somewhere near Rotorua and Topo, and um, yeah, apparently it's very poverty-stricken and about 300 people, and um, yeah, you can see from this beautifully drawn map that that's where it is. X yeah. marks the spot. So anyway, <laughs> those trees are going to be a treat. Yeah. They, they will yeah. be a billion trees yeah. right there. Um, okay, so uh, national, I, like I yeah. said, this reshuffle feels like we've been talking about it forever. I know, and Simon Bridges sort of kept announcing things from afar and Tauranga. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know what was going on there. I yeah, know, I know. But suddenly get these advisories. Oh, there's an announcement at two thirty. You know, <laughs> <laughs> just tell us who's on the team already. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then and then a photo call, press and conference then, on Sunday, and a photo call. Yeah. On Monday, and but I mean, really, by the time they announced that Amy Adams yeah. was the finance uh, spokesperson, I, no one really cared. No, after that, look, did they? honestly, <laughs> seriously, I was actually on leave. I was up in Hamilton, and I, um, I probably paid more attention than most, and mostly <laughs> it went over my head. You know, reshuffles are one of those things that mean a lot down here. But to the average person, you know, especially opposition reshuffles, opposition reshuffles, it involves people they don't know. You know Crusher Collins, yes, they know about her. Yep. Paula Bennett, yes, um, but apart from that. Um, for most people, the, 
these names are just meaningless to them. These these people are invisible. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I think someone actually did do a poll um, asking people about the ministers they could name. And really there was probably about <laughs> two or three. <laughs> so, well, I'll be honest, sometimes when the new backbenchers walk past, I, I'm, I'm struggling still. to see, are they advisors or are they yeah, MPs? No. So I shouldn't admit that. And you that, see them sitting at a select committee and you think, oh, heck, you know. <laughs> I'm sure I've never seen which, that person before. Which one are but, you? <laughs> yeah. But that's actually also an indication of how much more tune there is than there used to be. Definitely. Because actually you did used to know what all the MPs looked like. But I think that this whole rejuvenation thing of late. We're know, at the, the extreme ends of it. We're at the, yeah, it's, it's, it is a lot more tune than there used to be. People aren't sitting around for, for you know, a decade anymore, unlike me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I've outlived just about every MP in Parliament. <laughs> I might well, be the sort of like the auntie of the house or something. So Yeah, who, well, who's been there a lot? Who's the father? of the house now. Oh, is, is it, it Winston? It must be. Yeah. Well, yeah. It may be. We yeah. should edit this bit because we should yeah, know. Yeah, okay, yeah, we should like Anyway, anyway. so anyway, rejuvenation. So do you think yeah. do you think um Bridges talked uh, in his initial press conference he talked about getting the balance right between experience yeah. and fresh faces. Do you think he managed that? Yeah, I think look, I think so. And they do actually, you know, the thing is the election's three years from now. Mm. It's not this year, it's not, you know, gonna be next year. Much as National keeps hoping that the whole government's gonna implode and they'll be just, you know, <laughs> voted back, you know, um, halfway through. That isn't going to happen because everyone is very good at um, hanging on. It's all about self-survival when you're in government, and they will. So um, the next election three years from now, were people going to vote back Bill English and Stephen Joyce? No, of course no, not. Of course not. Um, no. So you do have to look different. I am interested, um, I think, um, from what I'm hearing, some of the internal polling has them just creeping down a little yeah. bit. Um, and Labor's still at that sort of 48, 49% mark. Yeah. Um, and Simon Bridges, I mean, I've been hearing the same thing and, and about Simon Bridges polling as well. He's perhaps not as popular as they would have liked. No. And look, to be honest, was he one of their most high-profile MPs? No. Mm. Um, he would never have featured, I don't think, in any of the preferred PM polls no. when they came up. You know, unlike, for instance, Jacinda, when she took over from Andrew, she was she was featuring. Nikki Kay probably features in... Yeah. Um, quite a few of those preferred PM polls. Um, so and Judith Collins. And she, Judith Collins, yeah. definitely. Um, so is he? was he someone who was going to make a huge impact to start off with? No, mm. I don't think he was, but I guess that's the, the punch they took. He's got time. Yeah, and that's... I mean, that's a little bit about this this um, interim period. You do the Women's Day covers, you yeah. do all the interviews, you do the soft media, uh, you go on seven days or whatever, yeah. you do, you exploit yeah. that and, and you have a little more time when you're in yeah. opposition leader to do that. So, uh, yeah, you're right. That's not that's not the be-all and end-all. Um, yeah, but it's it, going to be difficult, you know. I mean... Especially up against Jacinda. Up against Jacinda and there's going to be another, you know, 12 months where, let's face it, she's... Um, she's going to be having the baby at some point mm. and then there's, you know, there's, you're talking about soft media, well, heck, you know, <laughs> explosion of, yeah. you know, babies. And, and, you get know, ready for it. Yeah, that's right. And so it's going to be very difficult for him to get a lot of that profile as as a new leader. Mm. I don't think he's going to get a honeymoon period at all. Mm. Um, he's going to find out what a succession of Labour leaders found out yeah when you're up against a popular prime minister you just don't get that honeymoon no period. do you think and and the, the problem the problems that labor are facing now they can very easily shrug off yeah and blame national for and yeah. he was i mean he was a key member of the national government cabinet he so he's made yeah. a lot of the decisions so that that's tricky for him um do you think he's still going to be later in 2020 no 
Mm. Um, no, simply because I think nationals polling will inevitably go down. Um, and because, it, you know, it's just... It's going through that state of change. Um, Do you think it was? I thought it was very clever of Judith Collins to set that thirty-five percent. Yeah, she's, she's set the mark, hasn't she? she Simon, has. watch out! And, yeah, and w- whatever. Because he won't have to fall that far to get to that level. He will not. No, yeah. I mean, if, if you know, like as you say, when Jacinda has the baby, they're just yeah. going to be in a vacuum. Really, they're going to yeah. be crying out for for attention and and media, and they're not. They're just not going to get it, probably. Yeah. Um, or they're going to have to work really hard to get it. So yeah. But by setting that thirty five percent benchmark, I mean, yes, he didn't sign up to it, but no. it's always going to be in it's the back of everyone's over mind. Over his head now, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. She's sometimes she's she can be a masterclass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of the reshuffle as well, I mean. As you said, that the wider public don't really care that much. But I, I was interested the foreign affairs portfolio mm. to Todd McClay. I, th- I think he's he's really given. I mean, he called, called Winston a Russian apologist this week. Yeah, no. He well, really took that issue and ran with it. Well, I, th- I think actually, that's a good choice. I for think them. he's a good choice. And you know, mm. I've heard a lot of good things about Todd McClay, and he's one of those people. He wasn't sort of like a, a huge star in the last mm. national government. Um, well, he but he was a workhorse because I mean, he, a lot yeah. of the trade heavy lifting he did. He did and, and did yeah. very well. Yeah, and and he does seem to be very respected in mm. that area. Um, I think there's some real issue, problems for Labour with Winston's stance on Russia, Absolutely. and especially it's when we see what's happening at the moment. The timing could not be the worse. The timing is terrible, um, and it at, does seem like um, they have upset the EU, and it yeah. has put the EU's teeth on edge or their nose yeah. out of joint at a crucial time when we we really need those free trade deals with we really uh, need the EU and um, Britain um, FTA or British FTAs um, why I, I'm not sure that there's you know I don't think I've seen any great sort of uh, economic impact studies of the Russia FTA that suggest it's going to be a major boon to us no I mean I I understand that some um, companies want it and it would be yeah but um in terms of the economic benefits of it surely must be yeah. ma- massively outweighed by the political damage yeah. it would do to New Zealand's reputation on the world stage by yeah. especially now getting into bed with Russia. Well, exactly. And you know, talking about there being no evidence of them meddling in the US elections and, you know, the sort of um And the dining of MH370, yeah, you know, I know. it's just Yeah, oh. and then, and he did uh he did come out very quickly um the other night with a statement um condemning the um you know, the, the Salisbury attacks. But, but that only served to draw attention to his earlier comments. Yeah, that's right. It just seemed massively at odds. And he, and he's, he has unsuccessfully managed to explain away what he meant on Saturday. Was it a bad interview or... Yeah. Or, um, and just, I thought Jacinda was actually really weak on it at her yeah. post-counter press conference. She just yeah. seemed at a loss to explain it. Well, as we all are. Well, we all are. And I think this is um, also a headache for Labour. Mm. Um you know, in terms of, you know, their big coup will be um, delivering a EU FTA and a British FTA. Mm. Um, Russia's just a distraction. It's not something they need. Mm. And, and I think they're going to be at loggerheads with Peters over this, who for whatever reason seems absolutely um, intent Absolutely. And yeah. because his motivations aren't clear, whether yeah. it's personal relationships or he has some deep-seated belief, he hasn't he hasn't presented, as you say, any credible evidence as to why it would be a good idea to do this deal with Russia yeah. right now. Um, so I think yeah. his inability to explain it away and present a good enough reason yeah. for it is just good. And, and clearly National have got the bit between their yeah. teeth and they're just going to hammer him for this. Well, he's starting to look like a little Corbyn figure with, you know, yeah. all these sort of allegations hanging over him and these Russian connections. and Yeah, I know. And they are going to, like, really sort of, like, dig up as much as they can mm. around that. And the point is that at the moment, um, you know, 
Russia's response to um, Theresa May's statement to the House and everything has been, you know, quite extraordinary, really, <laughs> and quite incendiary. So, mm. you know, the whole world, the pressure is going on around the world mm. um, on Russia, and I, we just have to be in step with that, and I'm, I'm not sure, you know... Um, that this is helping. Definitely not. I mean, this, he's the foreign minister for goodness' yeah, sake. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. He, it's it's very it is odd because he is an experienced foreign minister. He is. So yeah, it, and respected as a foreign minister. You know, there's absolutely. I was surprised when he took the portfolio because I thought he might want to step back a little bit mm. this term. But at the end of the day, nobody quibbled when he was given the portfolio mm. because everyone accepted that he was a good foreign minister last time. He's a good foreign minister this time. Mm. He's very attuned to the issues. This is one where he seems to have a bit of a tin ear. Absolutely, and yeah. and clearly is going to upset America with this stance if he continues yeah. down this path you yeah. know well and Britain and well uh, yeah no. uh, uh, quite obviously Britain yeah. yeah and you know we've got Jacinda Ardern heading over there for um, the Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting coming up in April mm -hmm. you know and I suspect you know this is going to be quite a big issue over the year and, I mean, and on and the fringes absolutely anyway. and we know that the European EU commissioner didn't want to visit New Zealand mm. over the issue so it, yeah it, it is having an impact and sometimes yeah. I think we think that New no one pays any attention yeah. to New Zealand at the bottom of the world but we do have important strategic partners and they do yeah. notice these things yeah. anyway we could talk about this for hours uh, yeah. it's fascinating yeah. but we should wrap it up thank you so much for joining Tracy and I um, it was lovely to have you with us thank, thank you, you. Yes. Um, this was Inside Parliament as you know our weekly catch up about the political stories we've been covering one, on One News and beyond it's available every Thursday evening at 7.30 uh, on the One News Facebook page and check us out also on your favourite podcasting app thank you yeah.